Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, is much more than a daily report, certainly not a newsletter. It's a, a strategic report every day on major events in the industry, what they mean and what it means for the future, competitive leave for them and so forth. And it really is a knowledge platform um, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics through, through our daily reports, yes, but also on these podcasts and in webinars and hopefully some live events in the future. So along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, who, by the way, is a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our weekly podcast. And today's topic is where pre-loved is re-loved. <laughs> Actually, Shelley, I stole this from Sheehan, you know, the, the on-fire fast fashion brand that we've been talking about a lot lately. Um, they just launched their own resale site called Sheehan Exchange. And their slogan is, where pre-loved is re-loved. <laughs> I, I think it's great. Um, you know, they used this to resell in other marketplaces, uh, but now their customers can buy and sell on Sheehan's own mobile app. So, um, and, and as you know, Shelley, resale or circularity strategies are made main buzzy concepts today and they have at their core sustainability. Again, part of the quote unquote, save the planet and environmental concerns. Thread Up, of course, um, was one of the first launched in 2009. And at its core was the knowledge that tons and tons of apparel were ending up in landfills. In fact, Shelley, um, I'm not sure of the ranking, but isn't apparel like, I don't know, in the top three, four, five num number ranking uh, pollutants of carbon dioxide emissions in this environment? Well, Robin, today fashion accounts for up to 10% of global carbon dioxide output. That's more than international flights and shipping combined. This is according oh. to the United Nations Environment Program. And what's even a more staggering number is that the fashion industry, the apparel industry and fashion accounts for a fifth wow. of the 300 million tons of plastic produced globally each year. Polyester, ubiquitous form of plastics that's derived from oil has overtaken cotton as the backbone of textile production. You know, back wow. in the 20th century, you know, cotton was the primary textile. Yeah. But Coming into the 21st century, back in 2000, there was a big shift to polyester, and it really took place across all fashion categories. And what's really interesting um, is that probably one of the least sustainable companies is getting into the resale market, Shein, right? Yeah. Here's a fun fact that's really actually not so fun, to be honest. Over 95% of Shein clothing contains new plastics. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. You're kidding. Oh yeah. my God. So here they are. So yeah, okay. They're it's doing interesting. Great. But anyway, 
We don't want to yeah. go down there. We had lots yep. of uh, podcasts about that. Today's about resale. Yep. Really driven by consumers who are looking to either save the earth or save money buying vintage pre-owned. So back to thread up, Robin. Back to you. Yeah. Anyway, you know, um, thread up calls it their model thrifting. And according to their first annual impact report in 2021, they processed more than 137 million items, saving their customers over 4.1 billion, that's with a B, off the estimated retail price and displaced over 1.3 billion pounds of carbon dioxide emissions. I think that is a big wow. I mean, thread up is something That's else. That's unbelievable. And, yeah, I know it is. Honestly. And uh, they, they also, along with um, global, global data research, uh, they predicted that U.S. secondhand apparel could be at an $82 billion market in just a few years. Also, Shelly, um, you know, we learned last week following our presentation at an ASG shoot Gerdeman conference in Columbus, um, which by the way, was a great conference. I mean, those people really it know really how to do was it. Terrific. Yep. Yep. Anyway, we learned that one of ASG's marketing execs has estimated that there are roughly $2.1 trillion worth of apparel sitting in closets that are done, be, done being worn by those people and could be ripe for resale. Oh my God, Max Miller. He's yeah, from yeah. SG Chu Gerdeman. I was yep. so impressed by him, his knowledge about the industry. So he works in marketing, but he spoke to us about all things retail in yep. the industry, which is really interesting. And he remember he told us the story about how he bought he buys his jeans from a particular retailer that he likes to go to, yeah. <laughs> does all his services for him. He's very particular about his jeans. Um, not a resale retailer, but one that really resonates with him and kind of delivers that great service that he's looking for. Yep. Um, but anyway, let's get back on track with secondhand. So just for our listeners to give some terminology around resale, secondhand thrifting. I know there's a lot out there. There's a lot of numbers out there and descriptions, but secondhand, the term secondhand includes both resale and thrifting. So yeah, right wait, 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 Shelly, one thing. I remember when I was a kid, we used to call them hand-me-downs. Hand-me-downs. For my older brother. <laughs> right. Anyway, <laughs> my, my sons are still enjoying hand-me-downs. <laughs> but um, so resale is really product assortments that are merchandised. They're typically higher end, like ThreadApp, the real real. Um, also, even offline players like Buffalo Exchange is a big mm. fan favorite among the younger generations. Um, and resale is typically a lot of the options are done online. Then you have donation and thrift, which is that broader secondhand market. So Goodwill, Salvation Army, and those types of retailers, donation and thrift are typically offline. So they are brick and mortar. Yeah. Um, establishments. So the resale market in whole, in the secondhand market, this year is seeing a big growth for online resale market. So all categories online. Hey, hey, 
All categories, meaning even beyond apparel. Right. Okay. All online together for resale, just online, not brick and mortar, but all online. This year, the resale is expected to hit $180 billion. Wow. That's up from 12% from 2021. And by 2030, it's expected to hit, get this, Robin, I had to like quadruple check, the, check this number. It was so uh, high, $354 billion. So oh it's my God. going to double in size by 2030. Wow. But here's the interesting thing. When we look at the online market value of resale products in the United States, what's interesting is the online is actually going to surpass the offline resale by 2026. So the online resale market accounted for $56 billion. And in 20. 30. So in 2020, it was 56. In 2030, 10 years later, it's going to be 196 billion. Wow. So the online, that's the key here is the online resale market's really growing. And it's also interesting that fashion apparel, including accessories and shoes, are taking more and more of that pre-owned business. Mm. So if you look at last year, apparel, accessories, and shoes was about 17, 18% of total online pre-sale orders, resale. And by 2025, it's gonna go up to 25%. So apparel accessories and shoes is becoming bigger and bigger in terms of the um, resale market. And you're gonna like this, Robin, a big boost to this online resale fashion sales is none other than Amazon. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> they said it would never happen. They said it, they said it, they said it. Well, look, it, it, it remains to be seen how that will go. But, but that's a whole other topic as well. It is, but, but <laughs> Listen, literally, Robin, I'm not even kidding. Literally today, today. Yeah, I know. Amazon starts yeah. there selling pre-owned luxury Items. I'm talking LV, Chanel, Prada, Gucci, Rolex, Hermes. So, well, and these are all goods that are authenticated. So, they're authentic goods from these brands. They're yeah. from a distributor called uh, What Goes Around Comes Around, WGACA. It's a third party distributor who's been doing business and, and on business, sorry, been doing business in vintage and pre owned goods back to 1993. They actually have two stores in New York City, um, but they are the sole vendor for Lux pre-owned goods on Amazon's site. So this is what we call accessible luxury. So Expect, wait, 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 expectable? No, no, accessible, right? Accessible. Okay. It's making all you know <laughs> Chanel's and Hermes and all right. accessible yeah. to more people, right? Accessible luxury. Yep. Um, the secondhand apparel market. So secondhand apparel market worldwide is going to be 218 billion by 2026. And that is up from 96 billion last year. Luxury apparel last year was about 34% of the resale apparel market. And when we look at the secondhand resale market, what's interesting is 55% of the secondhand, secondhand resale market is from Europe and 27% is from the US. And that's from that awesome thread up report. Oh, um, really? So, so, so Europe, Europe is way ahead of us in this, in this space. 
Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, huge number, Shelley. Amazing. And, and some other amazing uh, tidbits that you put out there. And, you know, th this is another one of the big uh, demands that younger consumers are, you know, are really forcing brands and retailers to find strategies to protect the environment and to also process ways towards circularity. Yeah, Robin. And, you know, it is a big deal. And we have been talking about this and discussing this for such a long time. Yep. Our hope is that the relative mess we've made out of the environment and the climate change, that we've left it for those younger generations to kind of clean up. Yep. Right? You yep. recall, this is interesting. So you recall, we had a great lunch with Bill Taubman last Super. year. Yeah. yeah. And, He's uh, a very, very smart guy. But anyway, okay. yeah, and he, you know, he sold. So he had Talman Malls, and he sold the Simon. He sold them to the Simon Property Group. He still retains, I think, twenty percent of equity yep. in combined businesses. Anyway, we had a very wide-ranging discussion, um, and it was great because he was so forthcoming and totally awesome. How he shared his knowledge with us. But I do want to share with our audience a couple of comments he made regarding specifically the resale concept. Right. And one thing he said that stuck with me is he said, the resale market is very tough and it's difficult to make it a profitable business. The real real has ne never made a profit. So Robin, you know what? He's, yeah, he's, he's right. right. <laughs> I went and I pulled all the annual reports the real real has literally never made a profit since they become public. I don't know. No. I'm not sure what profits were like before they IPO'd. I don't have visibility into that. But here's what I do know about 2021 and past years. Sales were up last year 48% compared to pre-pandemic. So compared to 2019, the losses are 140% more no. Than they were in 2019. Unbelievable. Last year, <laughs> the company did about 460 million in revenue. They had about a 58% gross margin, which is not bad, but it runs a high SGNA, 412 million SGNA. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You heard it right. Yeah. 412 million SGNA on revenues of 467. That's an 88% operating expense. Incredible. The, the loss they had last year, Robin, you got to be sitting down for this one. The Damn. real real <laughs> lost over a quarter of a billion dollars last year. Unbelievable. And, you know, Thread Up is a similar, not as dire of a story. You know, Thread Up's revenue is up 54% in 2021 compared compared to pre-pandemic, they did about 252 million on gross margin of 71%. But again, the profit line shows a loss of 63 million. Crazy. Yeah, I know yeah. Sheehan, Sheehan's taking a little bit of a different approach. So they're putting the onus really back on the consumer and they're creating kind of this exchange. So yeah. unlike a, a lot of major brands that are partnering with ThreadUp and they manage all the back of house logistics of collecting, shipping used items. Shein's actually letting the customers do all those various tasks as they would on marketplaces like eBay or Poshmark or Facebook. 
and Sheehan gets paid by the sellers like 5% of their proceeds. Sometimes they're going to set a maximum price that sellers can ask. Mm. So they're a bit more involved in the selling pricing a little bit. But the goal is to make it easy and convenient as buying something brand new. Yep. So the big question is, you, you heard the numbers, you know about the logistics of trying to run a resale site. So why are luxury brands clamoring to get into this pre-owned market with such dismal ROI and difficult logistics? Here's what our friend Bill Tapman said at lunch. And let me tell you, he is so smart. He said there are multiple elements as to why luxury brands are interested in getting into resale. First, they want to control the end-to-end -end distribution of goods yep. and the full customer relationship in a three-dimensional way. They're also in a unique position of being able to guarantee authenticity of the goods. And that's a big deal, right? I think, yeah. Huge. Yeah, huge. go ahead. And the third reason is, from an ESG standpoint, the recycling of goods is positive for the brand. Right. So, you know, Shelly, uh, yeah, I'm really glad we had that conversation with Bill because he is very bright. And I think one of the problems that um, uh, Real Real is having is uh, the guarantee of authenticity. I, I think it's a very complicated process, but, um, and, also, uh, you know, th those numbers are startling in terms of uh, how much money these people are losing and the, the huge uh, SG&A SG numbers. But uh, I do have to remind everybody, we all know that um, Amazon went for almost a quarter of a century in not making any money. So <clears throat> I, I think the funders, the investment firms that fund some of these startups and so forth, uh, they'll 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 fund for a while, um, and but I think now it's getting to be much tougher uh, to get these guys to fund these uh, upstart innovators and so forth, um, because now they they, they want to see some money in the bottom line, you know. Quicker. Anyway, <clears throat> this whole thing is, you know, resale. I mean, it's kind of like buying used, or as they say, pre-owned automobiles. I mean, that's got to be in the hundreds of billions of dollars of business a year. So why should the resale of pre-owned uh, other products and apparel particularly be any different? Uh, but, you know, I guess if, if, let's say, for example, I were a so-called car buff, I would obviously not be in the market for used cars. So listen to this. If you are a fashionista, I guess you're a fashionista, right? <laughs> <laughs> Would you hold your nose, maybe literally, and shun the resale of a once trendy item? Or is the motivation to save the planet bigger than wearing, you know, the latest frock? I mean, the very reason that Sheehan is so hot is they are trendy and dirt cheap. I mean, they might as well be giving the stuff away. So Shelly, what do you think about this? Are the young, fast fashion crazed kids going to think about carbon emissions when getting goosebumps over seeing some clubby outfit to wear over the weekend? 
<laughs> well, I definitely think millennials and Gen Z are really passionate about re reuse and resell. And the difference between buying a sustainable product and buying a pre-owned product is partly price. Not everyone can afford to build a closet of sustainable clothes. It's very pricey. But, yep. you know, many consumers today like the idea of pre-owned, and especially if there is authenticator factor involved, especially on the luxury side of the business. There's a number of companies, another tomorrow, Moda Operenda, Target, mm. Urban Outfitters, all of these companies recently launched resale initiatives. We have Lululemon's Like New, Eileen yeah. Fisher's Renew, Urban Outfitters Newly Thrift. Levi and on and on and on. And just an interesting note on Lululemon. First of all, they're killing it. Sales last year were up like 57%, just crazy. Wow. But guess who loves them? Guess who loves Lululemon? Gen Z. That's yep. who loves them. Patricia yep. Waldron posted on LinkedIn. And this is so interesting. She said, despite Lululemon thinking they don't target teens, they are most certainly a popular and aspirational brand to Gen Z, including her nieces. And you know what? She's right. So if you think about them going into the resale, that's the target market right there. So well, yeah. Um, I also wrote about REI uh, earlier this year, their RE-RE supply program. So members can buy gently used gear and trade it in. Uh, for hmm. gift cards and that type of thing. So they have a whole trade-in program going on. Collaborative consumption, that's what it's called, Robin. It's a focus for the eco-friendly customer. And yep. selling gently used products keeps worn goods out of landfills. REI estimated that buying a used item, buying a used item avoids 50% of carbon emissions from new product manufacturing. Wow. So. Here's the thing, Robin, it can't be a losing proposition long-term. We know that. Retailers need to figure out how to make it profitable or yep. minimally cost neutral, right? Yep. Of course, there's a huge benefit. You drive deeper loyalty with its customer base. Like Bill said, you're owning that relationship 100%. Um, and there's a huge benefit to driving that deeper loyalty, but it can't lose money. The at the end of the money, day, you that's, that's it. At the end no of the day. No yeah. one's going to be in business if it loses money. Yep. Yep. The marketplace concepts help with some of the very high, very high operating costs. You know, so having a marketplace that people can sell used goods in, probably less than sending goods back and forth. But, you know, the consumer to consumer or C to C aspect does really well in the used market, Poshmark, eBay, Depop, because the platforms get a slice of the revenue without the cost of logistics. Mm -hmm. So- Companies that do pre-sell or uh, resell or pre-own need to have an IT infrastructure and reverse logistics process set up to make sure re-commerce doesn't become a cost of doing business. Many companies are struggling just to get product through the supply chain. So adding another complexity is wouldn't be a smooth process for a lot of companies. So using third parties like ThreadUp makes sense. It takes the burden off the retailer from an operating standpoint. With that said, though, you saw it, Ramen. ThreadUp's not making money either. So what will it do to stay in business? Yep. So the four major barriers for retailers for getting into the resale market, 
according to the threat up impact report one it doesn't align with the brand narrative i think the narratives are changing robin i'm not going to yes. lie we're seeing yep. that you know with the luxury market um the roi isn't proven that's a huge barrier resale will cannibalize new product sales De definitely a concern and trying to get stakeholder buy-in so the concept is great i think the action of a circular economy is great Resale is a big, big win in a lot of areas, but retailers have to figure out the ROI. You said it, Shelley. It, it, but you know what? If it, it sounds a lot like good news, bad news, right? Good news, if enough of our young consumers do walk the walk and buy more pre-owned, obviously it will help our environment. Bad news, it will add, uh, it will probably cannibalize new product sales to a certain degree, thus like real, real, uh, the business may lose money. And yes, ThreadUp says the ROI is yet to be determined. And that is at the end of the day, the whole model will either survive and thrive or be gone, right? That's right. I'm confident someone's gonna figure it out though. We have a lot of smart retailers out in retail land, so. Yep. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. Look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast as well. And please follow us on social media, link in with us, follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I would like to thank everybody again for joining us. And um, as I've said before, and we haven't gotten any of these yet. <laughs> But I'm telling you, if you've got an idea, a concept that you would like Shelly and I to cover, please email me at robin at therobinreport.com. And thanks again very much.